0: This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. All right, as always, before we get started, I have to thank my patrons. My patrons are my personal lords and saviors, and I truly could not do this show without them. I believe in bringing free long form conversations to you every single week. But in order to do that, I need some help. I do all of the editing, all of the interviewing, all of the producing, all of the scheduling. It's a lot of work. And in order for it to be sustainable, I need your help. So if you love these conversations and if you find benefit in these conversations, then go to stephenbradfordlong.com. Nope, wrong address. Then go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long for a dollar, $3, $5 a month. You get extra content every single week. All right. So for this week, I have to thank Elizabeth Washburn, Nixie Lionheart, Diane Kochneff, Patricia Moreno, and Scott Armstrong. Thank you so much. All right. With all of that out of the way, Brad Galloway, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me in. Um, You were suggested to me for uh, an interview by our mutual friend, John Moorhead. I have done a lot of work with John Moorhead. He's great. So special thanks to John as well for this. He does interfaith dialogue. Uh, So anyone interested in that, go check out my previous conversations with John. But here at the beginning, tell us some about who you are and what you do.
1: So often I get this uh this question because uh I work in in this field where we we uh research terrorism, uh extremism, hate groups, all of this stuff. So it roots from uh many moons ago back in the uh 1990s where I myself became immersed in what back then was sort of a violent social movement called uh, you know white supremacist skinheads things like that. I had met that uh you know got involved through a friend, as people did back then. Um, I often refer to this as sort of the pre-internet days of recruitment and things like that, where people met in a pub and talked about politics. And um, I uh, equate the relationship, though, to be the reason why I got, you know, sort of involved is that I trusted this person, I knew him from around the neighborhood, and we were friends. And I ended up uh, inadvertently, at that time, I had no ideology, I didn't really like Know too much about what these groups were about and all that kind of thing, but that grew over time. How, um, how
0: old were you at that time?
1: Uh, I was in my late teens, so the 18, 19 years old kind of okay. thing. As teenagers are doing, and as people are doing in general, we're looking for an identity. We're looking for a sense of belonging. We're looking for a place to hang our figurative hats on something. I had nothing uh, going on in my life that was uh, entirely positive, And I was kind of at a vulnerable point too. I had um, you know, struggled through school, struggled through different aspects of my life. So that's, you know, a lot of times, uh, these groups are looking for folks that are looking for something to do with their time. And, and I was kind of a, a prime sort of target at that point. And yeah, so it went from there to, to immersion, uh, in, deeper and deeper into what, whatever the groups were at, at those, at those times, Um, And then I ended up relocating to the West coast where I became involved in like organized hate movements, uh, for a number of years. And then, uh, ended up, you know, getting disenfranchised with it all and, and leaving it all behind in 2011.
0: And now here, here we are. And now you are, uh, tell us some about the work you do now.
1: Yeah. So, um, in the, in the years to follow 2011, I sort of got involved, um, with uh one of the i guess dreams or aspirations that i had was to to finish a a degree in criminology at some point in my life so i went back to school uh, and got involved with that and i inadvertently met some uh, folks that were working in the in the area of um, uh, extremism and terrorism research and ended up sort of getting um, invited along to work on some projects with them but also doing a lot of interviews about my time that I spent in the movement. But I also met up with some other people who had formerly been involved in these movements, which are often called formers, uh, and a group called Life After Hate, which is based out of Chicago. Mm. And from there, I got involved in their outreach work, uh, which often uh, was about education and talking about You know, the stories of of being involved in these groups, like the questions you had, how did you become involved, like that kind of thing. Um, So, you know, having civil society, give them a lens into what it's like and to understand how people join these groups so that we can um, potentially figure out how we can prevent people from getting involved. So um, it went from there to working in the intervention space, so helping other people leave, uh, I, I now that work with their exit USA program as exit specialist, which specifically looks at uh, helping people leave right wing right extremist groups. Um, and also I work with a, a organization up in Canada, similarly, uh, called the Organization for Prevention of Violence in their Evolve program, where they do similar work, uh, but across ideological uh, bounds. So. Uh, left wing, uh, right wing, uh, uh, religiously motivated um, extremism, things like that. We, uh, the program specifically look at trying to help people uh, leave or de-radicalize or whichever words you want to disengage, whichever words you want to put on the, on the floor there. And then um, more broadly speaking, I'm, I'm the coordinator at the center on hate bias and extremism, which looks at a a wide variety of of issues, uh, from hate uh, hate crimes, hate incidents to um, violent extremism to uh, general just bias uh, research, uh, and we do a lot of outreach and, and webinars on on these different subject matter. So yeah, that's a short summary of what I'm doing.
0: It's a lot. Um, yeah, <laughs> you have your hands full. So whenever I hear stories of of radicalization. I can't help but feel that there's a sort of unlucky randomness to it. And there, you know, it, those of us on the outside of this phenomenon, and I mean, I've been, I experienced my own radicalization in various ways, and, but I'm very much on the outside of the white nationalism conversation and Mm -hmm. i think for people like me who are looking at it we there's always the question of why how how does this happen how does someone fall Mm -hmm. into something so dark and so extreme and so ugly and hearing hearing your story there it really is kind of the an unlucky draw almost there's a randomness to it. it it was there was this guy in your neighborhood you he he seemed cool and you were in the right place in life and and the the why for me personally always seems so unsatisfying because of that and Mm -hmm. do you is that accurate (laughs) like it is it just like right place right time wrong place wrong time and there's a there's a, a sort of unlucky randomness to how it is that that people get
1: radicalized Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's a huge thing. I think uh, opportunistic, um, you know, some of my colleagues look at it as like, they don't really even believe in recruitment. Like it's not really like a recruiting strategy by these groups or something. It's just like the person is interested in being something like you're like the randomness, right? Like, well, I'm searching for identity. So here I found something and it's weird. I sometimes equate this to like, I had the one thing that mattered the most and all of the other stuff didn't really matter. And that was that I was just a white person. So for this group, I fit the credentials right away. Like right out of it. The, like there's nothing else that you really needed um, because that could come over time. Like that could build over time. So yeah, opportunistically or randomly, this guy meets me at a pub and says, hey, oh, you're in like shambles in life. Well, that sounds perfect for what I, this group that I'm part of, right? Um, and we didn't have the old awkward opener. It's not like you talk to some dude at the pub that you don't know. It's a person you know. So it's kind of like that opportunity was just there. And I came across it randomly that day. I walked into that pub. I If, if I didn't, I don't know. I often say I was in a place at that time where I would have joined the IRA or I would have joined some group, anything that was offering belonging and, you know, uh, a potential for brotherhood and th- that feeling that we're all kind of looking for a family that that you know um attachment to something right like in life
0: now was was it a conscious decision on on their part like it are do you think that people are actively thinking like oh this guy's life is fucked up and he needs order in his life i'm going to provide that is is that actually a conscious thought like is it that machiavellian or does it just happen mm-hmm
1: yeah I think um m- maybe now that it's 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 built to that point where there might be some of that that kind of like positioning where people are doing that. but I think it, at the at that time it was really a just a, a piece of randomness that that just happened to be and and it was like of course, I didn't, like I said, I didn't really have ideology really going on at that point. Like I had, I was friends with people from all different ethnic communities. Like I, I had like, I had to really accept the ideologies down the road. It wasn't like I was going in like, and that's where I I guess the counter argument is if like generationally people become involved in like hate movements or extremism or whatever, like if they're parents or if they're, they have family members or whatever, but that was not the case with me. So that, that can happen in a different type of radicalization feel it's like more of a cult feel like they grow up in the clan or they grow up in you know a cult of some sort so then they just inadvertently are part of that that's just their life um so radicalization looks different i think in that sense than it does for a kid who grew up in you know toronto in an urban setting and had no there was no disposition to go be part of a hate group Mm -hmm. at all in my life
0: So, so the yeah, it it almost sounds like you know how the the same process by which I got into like tabletop role playing games in college, like like oh you know there are these guys they seem cool. It provides a sense of community. It provides a sense of. You know, there, there's a there's a sense of fun and myth making surrounding it. There's camaraderie. It gives me something mm-hmm. to do in the evenings, right? And there is a randomness to that, and there's a there's a randomness to this as what what you're describing as well, at least for you. And mm-hmm. but the ideology came later is what I'm hearing yeah. you say. So first there's the camaraderie, there's the brotherhood, there's the hanging out in pubs at night talking about politics and talking about ideology and just hanging out with the guys, etc. but then eventually the ideology comes. So what was the ideology? What were you what were you taught and then what did you believe?
1: So yeah, the, I mean the the base of the the group that that I immersed uh, I was immersed in was was they were so identified themselves as white power skinheads right so it was kind of like this loosely formed not organized group of people uh, that often had different ideologies underneath the, the wider spread of right wing extremist ideologies um, it would be like there were some people who uh, identified as like Uh, part of the creativity movement or the Christian identity movement. Uh, There was uh, folks who said they were Odinists. There was folks who were just uh, white, white nationalists or ideologues. Like they, there was a varied, Bunch because it was kind of a collective bunch. This group of, but the one thing they did have that was attached, to sort of everybody together, was they were sort of all part of this white power skinhead kind. Of, so they they had the bomber jackets, shaved heads, boots, uh, you know, that that whole look. So they had that connectivity. And then some of them would be part of. Uh, I would learn later they were part of broader like actual groups, like organized groups. But um, right from the outset, I, I didn't I didn't know that I wasn't really privy to that kind of information. It was more like, you know, um, and the ideology that I kind of got into was sort of uh, anti-government, white separatist kind of stuff like, you know, um, what what often is considered, uh, you know, this this idea of white victimhood that whites are there are rights are being taken away by broader governments and multiculturalism and all of those things. Um, however, there was a whole whack of other ideologies that were kind of in and around and and often it's neo nazism and, uh, neo-fascism, stuff like that. Like, but for me, I, I had studied history like quite a bit just on my, myself. So I was kind of like, I don't know if I, I don't really like the whole like Hitlerism stuff. Like that, that stuff really was, um, uh that was a stretch for me <laughs> so uh, i remember Even like, you were like "Ah, rem-
0: oh, that's a bit yeah. too far
1: <laughs> well because and, and then they get into like real conspiracy theory stuff like you know holocaust denial all that kind of stuff and i'm like i i can't really go there like it's history this these are real things that happened and these people are like trying to figure out ways to like just like uh you know remake history or whatever and it's same with like the christian identity movement i never understood that they were because in the bible my understanding of the bible always was that you know the middle eastern people uh, uh you know it's judeo-christian so there's a lot of jewishness and this is a largely anti-semitic movement so how could you be you know following a religion where jesus you know it, it, It just didn't make sense for me. You know,
0: what I'm what I'm hearing here is that there is a is that there's a, a lot of intellectual diversity within um, white supremacy and, and maybe not, yes. and, and, and not just in terms of belief, but also in terms of temperament. And so there will be some people who are more prone to skepticism than others. There will be people who are mm-hmm. more prone to self-reflection than others. And I think mm-hmm. that's helpful because I think a lot of the discourse online about White supremacy and white supremacists is that you you are all equally brain zombified. <laughs> it is all equally all all equally irrational and all equally untouchable. And basically, what I'm hearing you say is that that's not the case. That that mm-hmm. is it is not the case that. Y- y- you know when you were a white supremacist you had doubts because you had read history and you 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 had a yeah. certain measure of skepticism and i think that's helpful <laughs> to for people oh, to understand that yeah. there is there is a spectrum of mm-hmm. of belief and temperament there
1: And they talk about compassion was a huge thing too. So a lot of this too also leads to the help of people de-radicalizing and people leaving these movements, right? Like the disenfranchised, uh, disenfranchised, you know, values of like when you're in the movement, you're kind of looking at it going, "Uh, well, not that that's insane. (laughs) Like you can't believe that. Right. Um, And there was a lot of stuff that was going on inside of those movements that is going on in now too. Like we see with a lot of the groups, there's like, um trying to make sense of like a person who identifies as not white being in a white supremacist group or being in a right-wing extremist group is very that has an odd look to it i mean we see with the proud boys there's there's some folks there that clearly you're like this doesn't this doesn't add up this whole picture does not add up which is stuff we should talk about more that this doesn't add up these things don't add up so don't join these things because they're actually just not it's all for Mm naught and Mm -hmm and that people leave. People can leave these groups. So myself, and there's many other people that uh, that I know that are in this space that work around this, that's we, we say, like, just as much as you can get involved in it, you can also get not involved in it. Uh, and it has a lot to do with compassion and people that you interact with from other communities, from, uh, um, you know, multi-ethnic communities. And that was helpful for me because I worked out in, in public world um and security and things like that and and you know 80 percent of the staff probably were not were not white people so i was living this life in these white groups and then i was going to work and interacting with people and you realize people are people right um and it isn't what uh the movement is really dis- disguising you know this whole like everyone they're out to get no they're not you know, actually I have to get you, actually most of my, if not all of my interactions with folks from other communities uh, was good. They were, you know, um, and that was something that when you think back on it, you go, well, how did I get to here? Well, yeah, if we're living in this silo with just these people telling you all of this stuff, oh, they're all bad, they're all bad, they're all bad. Well, that's a real awful place to live too, that everything's just bad all the time. So it's that exhaustion of too much negativity in your life. And and it really, that's what it is. That's, it's like easy black and white answers for people. I know people want that, but when we kind of think about it just a little more, like when you hear someone denying the Holocaust, you're going, that's an insane stance to take on that, right? That that's fake. Hmm. So how do you get there? How do you get into that place? Well, let's think And maybe educate ourselves. So that's another thing that's an intervention point of like, well, if we studied that a little more or read about it a little more, we would know that this is an obvious falsehood. um, And we don't just go to black and black and white thought rather than trying to interrogate things a little more and and learn. Right. Yeah, I think that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and this gets to one of the big questions that came up on my discord server, which is, well, how do you communicate with people who are in various levels of radicalization? One of mm-hmm. the things that I'm hearing you say is uh, exposure to diversity works. Mm -hmm. it compassion works and education works. And maybe those things Mm -hmm. won't work in every case, but those are really powerful tools is I think Mm -hmm. what I'm
1: hearing you say. Exactly. Yeah. And they, they don't all work for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Like each, each, you don't want to, you know, in, in the sense of working with folks that are leaving, sometimes it's really accountability that you start with. So you say, be accountable. You were in these groups, you did this, you were part of this, you thought these bad things, but we can move past that though. We can we can work on that. We can say, OK, I mean, it's similar to like a lot of the the stuff you see with cults in the United States, like, you know, people just in they're in this vacuum, they're stuck there and they don't know how to get out. Well, part of it is just learning about other stuff that's out there, mm-hmm. right? It might be just branching out and if they've been telling you not to eat at these restaurants because that goes against the cult or whatever. Well, go eat at that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Screw it. Take the chance. Take the plunge, right? Like that's that's the first thing.
0: It reminds me of a book that I'm reading right now called The Constitution of Knowledge that uh, mm. everyone should go read. But one of the things that he I'm forgetting the name of the author right now. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, oh, Jonathan Rosh, jo- Jonathan Rock, Rock, Rosh, something like that. Uh, but he basically says we are incredibly stupid as individuals. We are incredibly smart with as as, as a diversity of opinions as a diversity of of backgrounds and so we are smarter we are more compassionate the the more interaction we have with different kinds of people and but Mm -hmm. we but on our own And if we are only with people who are just like us, we are really fucking stupid and we are really, and and our world is tiny and, and it is easy to fall down rabbit holes of delusion. Uh, if we don't go to that restaurant, if we don't read those books, if we don't listen to, to perspectives, uh, that might rub us the wrong way. Um that's really 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 important and Mm -hmm. to be compassionate so so is that your is that your personal story of of being de-radicalized uh did people show you compassion did Mm -hmm. what how to how did that process work for you
1: well i think back to a time and this is well at the very beginning of the time that i was involved and where so I got into a fight and I ended up in the hospital and, and, uh, the person who saved my life, the doctor was an Orthodox Jewish guy. Mm -hmm. Right. And there I am this, you know, uh, whatever you want to refer to me as a Nazi or whatever at that time. Um, this guy didn't say anything about that though. I'm, I'm a person, I'm a human being and he's helps me and he saves my life. And he, you know, um, so at the time I thought, Oh, whatever, you know, I'm not going to talk too much about my feelings on that. I'm going to bury that. Right. But like later I think back to those moments and I go, well, that's, that's how people should be. Right. That that's the human kind that we are supposed to be right. That we're there. And, and, And I didn't deserve that at that time, but he didn't care. He was there to, to serve humans. And that's what he does for a living. Even ones that are completely abhorrent and that hate him obviously but his his deal was not to say anything about that and just to just to just be a really great person right and that's um when i think back on that and and amongst the other like list of times where folks where i didn't deserve positive treatment that i got positive treatment from them you learn a lot from those those occasions and you want to some somehow how do you uh think about uh reciprocating that now like and that's part of the work through life after hate and and helping other people leave these movements and seeing that there's there's um you know there's light on the other side and that th- these these um extremist groups and traditions uh, within these groups are are detrimental to society and people out there but they're also detrimental to the individual who's involved in it and it destroys those individuals just as much as it's destroying families and and communities and all of that. Right. So it's a multifaceted sort of, you know, approach that we have to think a lot harder about where we were and what we were doing, but also like wider society, what does it look like? But it's people like that that are sort of calling humans back in. Like I, I, so in my work, I've been invited to go and talk at a synagogue before and that's i think about that too why do they want to invite former neo-nazis into their place because it's fostering dialogue and it's fostering healing for them and and they they say they're getting something out of this uh, at understanding why people are hating right and it's a really amazing thing that that is um when these conversations happen because we can learn so much about you know what what we've done wrong, but we can also learn about what, what what we can do right and what how we've, you know, it's better when we're cohesive and working together than working against each other in our own little silos, right? Um hmm. and and it takes really, really magnificent people to be able to do these things. And and those communities
0: it isn't for everyone. It's not. It yeah, you, absolutely it, not it, yeah. and and so you know one one of the things that I always want to be cautious about when I have conversations mm-hmm. like this is to really mm-hmm. clarify like the 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 communicating with people who hate you mm-hmm. is should only be done if, if you are in the place to do it and you are the right person to do it. And a lot of us are not going to be, and that is okay. No. And that's um, okay to be there too. Yeah, it, it absolutely. is. It is absolutely okay to be there. So, so, y- you know, if, say if, you know, you're trans or you're gay or you're a person of color mm-hmm. or what have you, or a woman, yeah. you know, talking to someone who, who, believes that you are subhuman you don't have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good (laughs) and so i always want to put that out there uh whatever i have these types of conversations so um what one of the questions that always comes up for me is what is it about young men and these Mm -hmm. types of movements because so often you know there there are I do see the occasional story of uh, cis women uh, kind of getting into these hate movements and they absolutely Mm -hmm. exist. And, but more often than not, it seems to be young men. First, is that perception correct? And secondly, why, what is it about young men that makes them vulnerable to this? Okay. So
1: the assumption is, is, correct when it's if you look at numbers alone that that like extremism across the border terrorism across the border is not entirely a male thing but it is m- mostly mm. like uh i would say a larger percentage of men get involved in terrorism or extremism generally speaking than than do women um and you're you're bang on about it, that it is solely not a male thing there are hundred percent, there are women who are involved in this and are very charismatic and are leaders and are part of the the wider issue of terrorism and extremism and hate groups and all that. But um on the question of men, um, so vulnerabilities um, often come up, and mental health often comes up. Now, I'm not putting that as, I'm not putting those things aside, but I'm also uh, saying that, particularly white males there's a something there that um there's a as we see in america right now there's a wide door that's open right now for white males and their identity to be like right there you know like we, you know, just, just in the their face day.
0: in other words just very very yeah. ever present why there's is a that big thing why is that right I, now
1: i know when i was in the movement It was often like, if I'm walking down the street, people look at, oh my God, it's a a Nazi person. They don't like that. But today, it's like, you can have a trucker convoy that's organized by extremists, but that's okay. Because it's not really extreme. Like there's questions, you know what I mean? Like there wouldn't have been a question, like they wouldn't have platformed me when I was in the movement in the late 90s and early 2000s. Like the, the local news wouldn't have been like, Let's bring that Nazi guy onto our show to talk to him. In other right? words,
0: there's 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 a plausible deniability. Is that what you're saying for like some people in the like, are they are they supremacists? Yeah. Are they radicals? Are they not like, do we really do know? have mental health? Do they have Was mental health games? issues? Was it video Right, 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 right. right. Did you know, All did they play things. too much Call of Duty? OK, got it.
1: But that comes up. It seems like only for this white populace that's involved in extremism. Because when you talk about a black or brown person who's involved in extremism, it's automatically uh, devil worshipping black, oh, jihadist, blah blah blah. Right. You know? we,
0: we do we give white people the benefit of a of the doubt in a way we don't give people of color.
1: Oh, it and it's just not like it. It this uh thing is happening time and time again where the media does this where you know even the uh some of the the recent uh horrific attacks that have happened they're like well if we thought about like the amount of time that he was spending on online i'm like yeah we're thinking about that but what about the fact that he could have just been an ideologically radicalized hmm. terrorist hmm. white person what, what about if,
0: that? Why not? What about him just believing it, in other words? Yeah. Like, this is what he believed. This was his worldview. Yeah. And therefore, he acted out on it.
1: Yeah. Saying yeah. that out loud is, is okay to do. But the media sort of steps very, you know, it, it's a different thing when it comes up when it's somebody else, when it's, you know, someone and I'm from not, a
0: non white male community, in other words.
1: Exactly. So. Hmm it's all that almost serves as an empowerment as well for white men to get involved in these things too, because it's like, well, they're just going to write me off as a mentally hmm. ill person or whatever. So, uh, you That's know, does that give, give them some fruit to go want to be part of these things? Um, yeah. You know, it plays into that whole victim narrative with them, um, you know, with these groups, right. Because the, um, you know, it's it's uh the white the whole like white male thing uh goes a little further in the sense of um you know they feel uh like they're attacked right now in, in society because of of all the multiculturalism that's going on you know so they have the great replacement uh stuff they have the white genocide all of these different things that are being pushed to sort of fragment and divide. And that's what extremism is. It's, it seeks to fear and division. Right. So that those are two major caveats of it. So that's what they're doing with this stuff. And, and then for painting the picture of the, the poor white man, right. You know, they've been victimized or they're, you know, traumatized by all these black people coming and taking their jobs or whatever it is. Right. Um, and that's, yeah. that's where, again, so linking back to my story was, I'm kind of looking at that. I'm like, taking my job? Like, what what does this mean? Like when they're they're saying this, so they're all working at McDonald's and I don't want to work there. They're not taking my jobs. They're actually coming here and contributing to our economy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, And I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about and I'm trying to like think about this when I was in the movement. I'm like, I can't make up a reason for this. Mm. Like there's no way to conspiracy theorize this these people are actually just doing jobs that
0: right so so that rationality came in again for you and it was like wait a second this is bullshit
1: <laughs> yeah. this is trash so what do we what do we call it right like we we got to call it what it is it's not that's not a real thing it's fundamentally flawed from the from the outset and the fact that thousands and thousands of immigrants are coming here and taking all of our jobs away it's not true that's that's just not it there's it is nothing to that definitely
0: not true and yeah so and so it's almost like, you know, this coddling of of white males that our mm-hmm. culture does. So whenever whenever there is an atrocity that happens at the hands of a white extremist, of a, of a white uh, supremacist, there's this coddling and like this delicately stepping around the issue being like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, maybe maybe he was a white nationalist or maybe he played Call of Duty too much or whatever. And right. it reminds me of. It reminds me of when Sam Harris said that, um, oh, maybe the the shooter in New Zealand, maybe he didn't actually believe it. Maybe it was just memes, and maybe he was just memeing to like an extreme right. degree, and and like pushing mm-hmm. memeing to an extreme degree, um, which it, which denigrates the fact that this that that guy actually believed it. He, he said what he believed and yeah. um
1: so he wrote it he filmed it live he yeah. wrote it he filmed Everything. it live
0: he streamed it because he believed it um yeah. other than belief other other than you know this is something that that these guys actually believe and therefore they act on it are there any other components that that lead into radicalization or lead into violent acts other than just belief like are there socio socioeconomic? elements like what what are the other components that lead to acts of radical violence
1: yeah i mean there 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 definitely are things like that like there are like you know there are situations where you know you, we had um oak creek uh that that horrific scene that happened at at uh, with the, um, the offender there who was part of the wider spread hate movement. Um, I think it was like hammer skins or something like that. And then it was also, um, uh, he also was a vet, right? So when, now we're bringing in some actual risk factors, you know, gone and served in the military, come home, probably not the right, um, th- that, that whole, uh, uh agency or, uh, problem that we have with not looking after our vets in, in the US and Canada uh and and mental health and those things. These are real things that do happen. Um so there could be scenarios like that where folks are just totally, you know, affected by and and ideology is there too. So these are all playing roles in the same way. There's also like um when we think about some of the the attacks that have happened, some of them are like, you know, isolated. They have um adverse childhood experiences they have like there's like psychological things that throughout their life these people have it, they've ended up in violence they were going to end up in violence but which type we don't really know but there are definitely risk factors so when they talk about looking at risk assessments of people who are going to radicalize to violence i mean there's like there's various ones that are used in our line of work that like look at that kind of stuff but it's you know when we when we think about this idea, and, and I don't believe it's new. There are a lot of people that do, but it, it's uh, accelerationism, right? So where these acceleration accelerationist movements are looking to just uh, accelerate everything to the race war to the end of times, right? So um, that's not a that's not a new thing. It's I, I think it's um, particularly within uh, white racist movements has been around for. Quite a long time, I think, about the 1980s with the order uh, and them going around and and suggestively uh, robbing porn porn stores and things like that uh, to take the money back, you know, to rob um, arm, uh, you know, uh, the armored trucks and steal the money from the Zionist occupied government and you know take it back for the white cause or whatever, you know. And then we think of the uh, Aryan Republican Army, like th- them doing those things. So a lot of these things can be like you know, these folks that are sitting there wondering why the world is the way it is. And we're not looking out, we're not doing enough in society to not allow it to get so fragmented and divided the way that it is. Right. So, I mean, we know we, historically, we know that these groups exist and they have existed through time and we know what they, what they want to do. Um, So getting to the point of like, violence that involves white males, it's like, well, have we done enough? And that's the education piece. I don't think we have. We're not doing enough mm-hmm. in schools. We're not doing enough in our homes and the way we're bringing up kids. And I think some some, some of the risk factors, like p- particularly isolation and um, them getting involved in in certain groups and those risk factors people it's again it's like the media the way they treat these things afterwards They're like well it could have been that's how parents well i don't know it's maybe it's a phase well if your kids walks in and has a big swastika on their shirt i i would ask questions about the face hmm. you know? so, but
0: yes, you know they don't often so so what are so you say that our society is not doing enough to to protect and to protect society from young white men and to protect young white men both right and i honestly believe that like you know through history and every culture young men are are a very powerful source of trouble and i really believe that so much of civilization is built or or developed to like curtail the worst excesses of young men right so what it, it what are the ways in which you believe society our current society is failing young white men in particular
1: well i mean when we when we talk about things like suicide and and mental health and things like this there is uh arguably been an uptick in in this uh in this space of of um, you know, particularly over the last couple of years, too, we see like the uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic, things like this, where people are isolated. They are they are at home. They're alone. They're they're you know, what do they do? They go to the internet. They they go looking for you know. So where do we get what information stream are we providing to society? Right. So we have all these uh, things that that have come up over the last I don't know. Let's go with decade. Because we can. And and let's say, you know, things like QAnon, let's say things like the alt-right, let's say, right, so they all have these platforms online. And then when we get into a place of risk, like uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, so you get people in the door at, oh, what about vaccines? Right, what about that? But then extremist groups are like, cool, we can get people through the door on that, right? And then we'll slowly give them the race thing. And that we're being told, oh, the government is doing this, so now they hate the government, mm-hmm. and and it it's like pathways that um, uh, one of my uh, you know colleagues wrote a book called The Extreme Gone Mainstream. So then we think about what happens on our in our in our media, right? So we have all this stuff that's being streamlined down. Let's say Fox News, right? So it's come comes from a big company like that. Um, And these folks are sitting there at home going, wow, yeah, I feel like, oh, that's kind of true. You know, I I did lose a job to, you know, so-and-so, but did, but did you, that doesn't matter. The government's making you take these vaccines. The government's telling you that uh, critical race theory, uh, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, so now you've got people sitting there going, Oh, that's interesting. Right. That is happening. But is it, because now where are they getting their information from? They're going to Reddit, they're going to 4chan, they're going to all these other places that are not valuable resources.
0: This is really interesting. So it's almost like, would you say that maybe there is a point of discussion or anxiety in our culture that needs to be addressed and the, 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 the far right gets to it first? or takes oh, advantage yes, of it. it they love it right and so yeah. i and and i i saw this firsthand in regards to online public trashings in some leftist spaces i mean it is obvious to anyone who moves in online spaces on the left which i do i am very much a leftist mm-hmm. and i move in those spaces and in those lgbtq spaces i am myself gay right and yeah. uh but But there are some really, really toxic online spaces, and it's worth talking about. However, the right took the phenomenon, they took the term cancel culture, they completely ran with it, they made it completely radioactive, and and instead of making it a, a problem of online culture and and dysfunction in certain specific communities they turned it into this existential nightmare that is coming for all of us right mm-hmm. but the but what happened what i observed happening then is then the conversation on the left about it shut down the the important nuanced thoughtful this isn't the end of the world this isn't a catastrophe this is unique to specific communities but a, a movement needs to be self-reflective if it's going to succeed. Mm-hmm. And so we need to explore this until that conversation shut down uh because the far right turned it into this boogeyman and then used it to radicalize people. Would you agree yeah. with that analysis? I get and, and so people would people people would always be like, Stephen, don't you know, don't we, we shouldn't talk about very <laughs> certain things because the that is just a that that is just how how people get radicalized and I'm like no 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 people it it's getting it's being used as a radicalization tool because they got to it first doesn't mm-hmm. mean it shouldn't be talked about <laughs> does that make yeah. sense Am I right about that or or am I completely yeah. off when it comes no, to, to, to to that
1: We have to think about these things. We have yes. to think about like oh is so and so using X Y Z scheme to get people radicalized. Yes, they are doing that. Yes, the far right is doing that. I know I was in the groups. So right. <laughs> I can tell you from my perspective that, yes, the far right shows up at Antifa rallies or whatever they want to call them, and, or anti-racist events, and they show up and they do dumb things to pin it on them. They and, do to,
0: and to provoke and to... Oh. And then they take pictures and then they
1: take pictures
0: and post it on Twitter and Reddit. And it's like, right. look at this, <laughs> look, yeah, look at yep. this is the ruin of Western civilization. Yeah,
1: exactly. They particularly do that kind of stuff mm. because mm-hmm. it's like, a, and, and let's let's not get crazy here. They're a very, very small minority right wing extremists, mm-hmm. which is great. And we should celebrate that. But that doesn't mean we want them to be a bigger majority right? Like it's, it's mm. like, I'm talking worldwide. I'm talking internationally. These right-wing extremists, let's not give them the fuel for their fire. Let's not say, well, yes, the Trump. Now, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to say that because I I am a firm believer that humanity will win this mm. crisis that we're in. Um, But we have to also say, no, but this is real and people are really getting killed by these groups. Mm. And this is like a real thing. And the way that they do things, it, it increasingly gets more cunning and they do more things that you know that were like people seem to be surprised about and then oh well it's mental health it's video games no, no no it's still the same things that they're doing it's just they're choosing to do it now they're using the internet they're using these new tools they're using all the the things that they can to do this and it's it's a it's kind of a uh, well-oiled machine when you look at it in, in a lot of ways because they know the response they're going to get beforehand right like they know that you know the left is going to go crazy when they do some little when they go down to a protest and they do something and they they know the response they're going to get so and they're hoping and this is i say this all the time they don't care about what the what the attention is negative positive they they love all the attention if they can get if Richard Spencer can get punched out on camera, that's still attention for the for the alt-right. Mm. I know that so, sounds ridiculous, but it's that. But
0: it, it's still it's still uh, to to quote Oscar Wilde. The only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. And that is right. the philosophy of, of the white supremacists. So, yes. So is the solution then to not freak out? Is for the left to not freak out to is the solution. For, and, and but how do we navigate that? Because the, this is a real problem. People are, are genuinely like you just said, genuinely getting killed. And and but. But these white supremacist groups are counting on the left to lose our mind or, or counting that they are counting on the left to have a very extreme response. So is the answer to not have an extreme response? Like, how do we navigate this?
1: I, I think we do need to respond, but we need to respond in a sense. And, and uh, a lot Strategically. of policymakers don't... Yeah, they don't like this stuff. They don't like... So my thing, because I work in the prevention space, primary, secondary, tertiary prevention space, in this, like, trying to look at extremism and, and, and look at right-wing extremism and how can we... Yeah, we have, like, the space where we're helping people, like, leave the groups. But, like, we want to get in front of it, though. We want to be, like... we we don't want people joining so how can we do that how can we get in front of it like oh prevention we we can't we can't find a way to fund that we can't do this well if we can't do that those are the conversations that need to be happening though Mm. right like Mm -hmm. we're having this conversation Mm -hmm. well how did you join well how would you not have joined those are good conversations what what would have made you say you know what this guy's bogus screw this guy I'm going to go join the local soccer club instead or whatever
0: yeah. Right. or join the not, local d d club <laughs> or, or whatever sure. yeah, yeah. What,
1: whatever pro social activities you can become involved in mm-hmm. that aren't the white power skinhead scene
0: right 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 like, right, right
1: what what's the alert the alert should not be there there shouldn't be that that alert there to join hate groups why hate groups what does what do they do like we really need to think about our society in the sense of oh we have these the freedom of speech laws or whatever it is like, okay, but do, but who's, how are they being used as an advantage for these hate groups? Right? Mm. So when we think about the gun debate too, the right loves that one, right? Because it really just divides people. And back to the, the notion of division and fear, that's what extremism is. So if they can get, they'll divide, they'll seek to divide wherever they can. So we need to get in in that space and go, well, how do we prevent the division? So it's not even like talking about racism and all that stuff. How do we just not divide us ourselves up as Americans or Canadians or as Europeans or whatever? Why are we
0: the universal you know, humanity? In other words, how yeah. how do we how do we emphasize universal humanity? I am a firm believer yeah. in what I what I think is the fact that. The most successful human rights groups are the groups that emphasize our universal humanity, and that, for whatever reason, works. And and emphasizing our ultimate sameness, even if we have differences, we at, at the most base, fundamental level, gay people, black people, different nationalities, people who speak different languages or have different religions Mm -hmm. on the most fundamental level, we are all the same. And I think that the movements that are successful, the, the, the like pro social and humanitarian movements that are successful are the movements that emphasize that. And, you know, all of the, all of what you're saying is really relevant for me personally right now, because last week, uh, someone with, so I am a minister in the satanic temple, um, I don't know if you know that. I don't know if, if John told you that. Okay, um, so I'm I'm a minister in the Satanic Temple, and the Satanic Temple is based on you know found tenets of of compassion and reason and justice and and uh, science and so on. Last weekend, someone with a God T-shirt came and set fire to our headquarters in Salem, Massachusetts, and it did not insignificant damage to the front of the building and to the porch fortunately help came just in time for it to not get into the temple headquarters and not destroy all of the the art and and so on and that you know really sacred space for our religious community but the founder of the temple co-founder lucian greaves asked Asked me on to have a conversation about it, and I came on to his podcast yesterday, two days ago, ready to basically, you know, this is this is a battle between good people and evil people was kind of my attitude. This is the battle between between theocrats and pluralists. This is a battle mm-hmm. between you know uh, Christian nationalists and. And those of us who are pro-plurality and equality. And, and Lucian did something that I thought was very wise, where he, he kind of put on the brakes and he was like, well, in essence, he said, you don't actually know anything about this guy. And this is an opportunity for us all to take a step back and examine how we got here. And how this polarization happened in the first place. And so instead of doubling down onto these, these turf wars and this battle and this us versus them, let's not have that be our primary focus. Let's instead, you know, take this as an opportunity to, to reflect and to self-reflect on how we can create a better society and how we got here. That that's kind of the same thing that I'm hearing you say is you know let's focus on um, let's let's find ways to focus on our shared humanity and that doesn't mean that these aren't very real and profound divisions they are that so this is not to de-emphasize that at all but yeah so so everything you're saying is resonating quite a bit right now
1: yeah I mean and I think that to be honest, that, that if we started there, say we had the gate and we all opened the gate and we go, yeah, okay, we're starting at this level of humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than starting at, oh, you're different, you know, like looking at everything that's, you know, like, and that's where I think of that moment where I'm sitting there in that pub having that drink with that, that guy who, you know, uh, introduced me to the movement. You know, if I had said, huh, why, but why? Are you doing this? Why do you feel? You know, and Mm. just asked him, Are you okay? Right? Like,
0: bro, are you okay? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. How are things going? Like, that seems like a weird thing to offer your buddy that you hadn't seen in four years. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. You you run into a guy you know, and you're like, guess what, Nazis? And I'm like, that's a weird thing. Like, Mm. that's a strange, that's a strange convo opener, right? So, like, instead of us. And, and not judging him for what he's become involved in either, though. Just saying, hey man, you know how's things going? Are you all right? Like, what's what's been happening, right? Um, and that's that's the thing. Like, some somebody like that is in crisis they, when they're telling you that they're part of this hate group and they're part of this thing. You know, um, how did they get there, right? Like, that should be our thought, our notion as human beings, going, huh? Well, that's you know, that, that's, that's tough. What's, what's the trouble? Like, how did you get, how, you know, how is everything all right here? in your world? That kind of thing. And, and, that's, and that's a, the thing that's too, a like, tall
0: order though, because I think the first yeah. response is going to be revulsion and disgust, right? Like, oh, yeah. like it hits our disgust response so deeply that that next question of, are you okay? will probably mm. for, for a lot of us will just never come like the first response for a lot of us will either be intrigue or get the fuck away as fast as we can. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, if we cared more Hmm. about individuals, other people in the world, I think we might be better off. I mean, I, I hear all these all the time people, you know, telling me that, that it's uh Cause I felt lost or lonely or, or, isolated as a person. That's why I went to this. Cause they, they welcomed me with open arms into, into these groups. Right. Yeah. And, and that's it. That is it. Like they are there. They're like, "Whoa, come on, let, let me show you the, the right side of every argument because it's so black and white like that. Mm. Right. Mm. And that's, that's, uh, instead of saying like, Oh, well that's interesting. There should be another door that's open beside it saying, well, we'd like to call you back in all of these folks that are gone down these roads. Right. Um, And I, and I know there's movements out there who are like, you know, doing so much work on the ground uh, on anti-racism and, and anti-fascism and all that stuff, which is amazing work as well. But it's like, sometimes we got to think, think big and go, well, these are human beings too. Um, You know, I, I saw all those faces that they just arrested, the the other day in Idaho and I'm like man that's challenging that's those are 31 people who have been sucked into these movements um mm. and and are and were planning to do something wh- horrifying there for and,
0: for people who live under a rock can you explain that situation that at that, that because they yeah. they were a group of uh radicalized white supremacists or something going to a gay pride 100%. event right right to 100%. to cause yeah. violence and there were 30 of them it, yep. So yeah, and that's that's what happened there for people who haven't heard the news yet. Yeah.
1: And and if you haven't heard that news, that's really too bad. They they need to up up their game on, <laughs> on the, the news out there so it reaches people pull
0: your head out of your goddamn ass. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: that's, but yeah. That's exactly it. And and but that's I think you've brought up a, a really, really big point that we need to recognize is that these things are there. These hate these groups are there, and they are planning to do this stuff. so we need to be aware of that but in my work i don't i don't want rider trucks or whatever kind of truck it was uh, u-haul truck full of white supremacists going to going to do horrible things to to members of the gay community in that area i i I don't i don't want to hear but i want to hear nothing about these types of groups right but that's the thing is that we're so divided right now that these groups are flourishing this is a uh a uh, unfortunately a um a, a ground where they feel they, these groups are feeling like there is some acceptance in in America right now that they can exist.
0: They feel empowered. In other words,
1: yeah, we got to do a lot better to say no. We we're not society doesn't accept this. This is this is mm-hmm. not just people with mental health issues. This is these are ideologically motivated extremists that we really need to think about what we've done wrong to have those thirty one people involved in that. What, what are we doing? We've so done something say, wrong.
0: It's an indictment <laughs> like, of our culture that these groups exist.
1: Yeah. What are we doing? Why are we running on? Uh, often, I feel like um, when I'm uh, helping people who are leaving these groups, um, they say, I don't even believe in my own constitution anymore. Hmm. I'm like, well, that that's a big thing to say.
0: What does that right? mean? Like they don't believe in the American constitution or they don't believe Be- in their own
1: own like their own personal but also yeah the american constitution they're like because they were like radicalized and they went into these groups and 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 they gave such a different version of americanism
0: Ah, how they
1: utilize the constitution now they're sitting there and they're like i'm now beholden to nothing i don't believe in anything you know and I'm, i'm glad that they've left the movement but i'm like that's really a shame that we have people who are like stripped of their
0: of any Any of any of any anchor of any of any kind of ethical mooring in other words yeah do you have do you have time for some questions from my discord server we we are an hour in um but this is this has been a great conversation do you have some time for a few questions sure okay um yeah so a lot of people were really interested in this conversation so here's an interesting question: What is the state of the country? I I so uh, in the United States. You're in Canada, correct? Yeah. So so let's just change this question to: In general, <laughs> what is the state of uh, of white supremacy now versus when you were actively a white supremacist in the
1: '90s? So um, it it has. Uh, increasingly been getting worse in canada in the um uh and i would say a lot of that has to do with similar divides like are going on in the united states like we have uh specific lines drawn between uh you know people who are seen as liberal people who are seen as conservative people who are seen, so it's like you're they're building up these silos so in extremism this is a that's the premium division thing and the fear thing oh f- afraid of the other afraid of what could be afraid of this afraid of and that's where we're kind of living in that in the, in those notions and particularly something that's become a wider spread uh, issue is the sort of the anti-government so uh, our prime minister particularly has been uh the face of a lot of these extremist groups sort of like entry point like anti-trudeau ant- anti-government anti so you get a wider range of people that are willing to get involved on the onset of like okay because people don't like the COVID 19 or people don't like how we responded to that so you've got people in mm-hmm. in that sense and then the extremist groups come in and go oh yeah, what about this group what about the three percenters what about the prob- what about this what are-? then there's all these options that are kind of thrown out there and um so in, in that sense researchers are saying that there's there has been an uptick of, of groups forming uh, different types of movements uh, uh, across the, from anything from accelerationism to the alt-right to uh, anti-government type of group, militia type of group. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, the landscape is looking, unfortunately, it's looking pretty grim right now in Canada when it comes to, um, I, I think, the two provinces that um, had the significant uh, rises in hate crimes and incidents were Ontario and British Columbia. Uh, over the last mm. uh, wow. while and so we're looking at yeah there's there's some big things going on Yeah,
0: does he still struggle occasionally with knee-jerk reaction thoughts that matches old ways of thinking like in the heat of the moment does he have racist thoughts that he needs to stop and reconfigure
1: yeah, well, uh, for sure. In the first number of years, as as mm-hmm. I was getting further and further away from things, now uh, management in my mind, I can manage those things um, as more of a like. I'm recognizing it, and I'm going, okay. I'm accountable for that thought. I don't need to, you know. It's mindfulness. I'm to, yeah, it's yeah. just saying, well, I was around it for 13 years, so of course those thoughts are going to come up. It would be. Uh, a horrible lie for me to say, oh, no, it never happens. You know, of course. No, it, it does sometimes. But you can manage those things. Uh, I, well, at least I can manage those things in such a way that uh, they don't, they don't come up like they they used to. And, mm. you know, they mean something much different now than they meant uh, when I was in the movement, right? So mm.
0: I love that because, you know, I, I think that emphasizes the fact that it's what we do that matters, not, not the thoughts. It's how we act on the thoughts that really matter. And so, you know, I was raised as kind of a super conservative fundamentalist Christian. I still have homophobic reactions. I am gay, <laughs> yeah. right? I am so gay <laughs> and I will still have knee-jerk homophobic reactions, especially mm-hmm. towards other gay men sometimes. And uh, and it, it arises and I note that feeling. I note it, I let it go and I don't act on it and it dissipates. And it's almost like each time I do that, it gets fainter and fainter and it loses more and more power Mm -hmm. over me. So
1: yeah, Yeah, it works like that. And Mm -hmm. that's fine. I mean, it, um, I I think the approach we take to it is what's most important, right? Like that's, you know, and, and that's in our work too. When we're, when I'm working with people, it's, like, I'm not there to brainwash them or turn everybody into a liberal or whatever you want to say. Mm. Like, that's the that's the, the way the right looks at the work that we do. They're like, oh, we're turning everyone into a liberal, like, whatever, CRT. I'm like, no, we're helping people disengage from groups and get out of hate groups and then work on their ideology across time. And right. It, it's different for everybody who goes through that process. And even like what you were just saying, like, you identify as a certain group, but you're still like, oh. I have these thoughts yeah but i know how to combat these thoughts though yep so and and i'm the same way too like and it's true of
0: all of us we all have those skeletons in our closets every single one of us we are human beings we are not free none of us are free from prejudice in some way right
1: no i struggle with it often because i i live in it in the bible belt of canada okay so i'm not a religious person i didn't know canada
0: has a bible belt jesus christ i'm so sorry
1: we we do and it and it's a it it's it, it's an odd uh scenario to be uh, living around um not not just regular folks that just go to to church on Sundays like these are evangelicals mostly mm. um and and who are committed to wanting others to be part of whatever it is that they're, and see, I was part of something. So I'm kind of like, I don't wanna be part of anything. Like, I don't wanna be part of a extreme anything. I wanna be a nothing. Can I just be a nothing? That's what I wanna be, you know? So, and I don't mean that in the sense, I'm a person, but I'm I'm like, just, you know, in the sense of religion, I'm kind of like, I, I can't devote time and energy to something that, like that. I can't, because I know I'll go to the extreme measure, and it. it is know in general a very
0: costly hobby. I, I will say that as someone who uh, who is a minister, it takes up a lot of time. <laughs> it
1: can, and I'm, I'm worried about that. Uh, that's a that's a object that I you know with work, family, all these different things that are going on in my life. I I just don't have that kind of. I I don't think I could put what Absolutely. is needed into it, and that's just. So I choose that is, and and often. That comes off as, oh, you're not really, so you hate, no, I don't hate, they, they could do whatever they need to do. That's not the point. I'm just talking about my personal thing. It's no. just not you. Yeah, it but it, it also
0: sounds like you have an awareness of your own proclivities towards extremism. And so it's almost yeah. like if you're going to do something, you you have to do it in the most extreme fucking way imaginable. <laughs>
1: right. And, Which and so I you just know down that. Down
0: that right, right, right. Yeah. That makes complete sense. um. Here's here's a really great question. Um, a former white supremacist once said the impetus for him to change was the extension of undeserved care. We tend to demonize such people until a change of heart, but perhaps you could ask how a more difficult extension of compassion to the allegedly undeserving might make an impact.
1: Yeah, and I think I touched on that earlier. About Absolutely. Compassion
0: plays Absolutely. a role here. Um, I don't know if there's much more to say on that. I, I think that's yeah. just a really good framing of that. A, the, the way that yeah. was phrased, we tend to demonize such people until a change of heart, but perhaps yeah. but a, uh, a more difficult extension of compassion to the allegedly undeserving can make an impact. Yeah, I, I couldn't love, have said it better. I love <laughs> I that framing. Know, yeah. um, that's good. One person asks, what does he think of Black Lives
1: Matter? Sure. Um, what do I think about it? Um I think that it, it, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a movement that is, you know, just like a lot of the other civil rights movements that have been of passed. Um there's folks that need to speak out. I'm here as an ally in the background. Mm-hmm. Um and I love what they're doing. Um they, they are often framed in my area of work. Uh, I often see really, really awful things uh, when referring to that, uh, that movement. Hmm. Um, And that's unfortunate because I do know people that are legitimately on the ground uh, doing work for the increasing rights for, um, you know, BIPOC people. And that is something that is amazing and amazingly difficult and hard and um, has been uh, a centuries old fight and struggle and i know it will continue um but i think that you know there's yeah it's pretty close to home i have some have some colleagues and friends who are who are doing this work and i'm you know i i feel for them
0: so yeah. beautiful let's see one person asks, does he think there's anything that could have prevented his radicalization in the first place, or that could have interrupted the process? I think we've kind of explored, touched on that through this conversation. One thing that you brought up was just someone asking, are you okay? (laughs) Like what's going on? It's just someone extending that, having extending that gesture being like, what's going on? Are you okay? Um, yeah, it sounds like one thing that that would have possibly disrupted mm-hmm. that process. Is there anything else?
1: Sure. Uh, better parenting. <clears throat> That's a weird one. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I know if my kid was suited up in white power gear or whatever, I'd have some more questions for them than I uh, probably shouldn't wear that or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, um, and it's no fault of them. They're, they're folks who are like, you know, from a different generation that are like, didn't really know what to make of this whole like weird sociocultural skinhead. Yeah. movement. Now, there's no, excuse, now there
0: there's no excuse though. Now there's no excuse.
1: It's pretty damn public, the information and it's right out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, yeah, people should know what that, what that is now. So, um, but yeah, I think, it's, so back to the question though, so better, better um, uh, parenting. So education, as well for me it could have prevented a little bit more of this myself being a little more like i said earlier about when i met that guy in the pub if i if i had asked like well what more is this about like what is this really about what is this movement really about? if i had some more uh instinctual questions about like you know what is this group really about and i think if i had learned that it was just about violence and like beating up black people and, and you know, uh, hate music and all that stuff, I think I probably I might have been like, ah, I don't know, this is maybe hmm. not for me. Right. But the way it was posed, I didn't ask questions. I just wanted to be part of something. So, you know,
0: you just used the term hate music was did music play a big role for you? Or was there like a genre of music geared towards white supremacists that helped in the radicalization process?
1: Hundred percent, and it and it's it, like it's still there today. I mean, it's I'm I'm here now doing research on it, but um, it's uh, it's interesting um, how it plays a role, and and that's sort of the when you talk about the white, white power skinhead movement. Without the music, it's not it's not really much. Right, because there's huh. the bands, there's the there's the way people dress, they will all wear the you know the shirts with the band names on them. A lot of the groups were like associated with music as well. So that's it's a moneymaker for the movement as well. What's you the know, genre kind of
0: like is it punk? Is it metal? Like is it what what kind of music it's, is it?
1: It's unbelievably diverse in okay. genres. Uh uh there's country, there's hip hop, there's EDM, there's Hmm. national socialist, black metal, there's black metal, there's, you know, folk kind of music. There's yeah, everything under the sun that they, um, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a place, a space where people from all, you know, musical interests will become involved in this stuff. Um, I mean, it started out with um, way back in, uh, the early 1900s with like, like, uh, like coon songs and things like that, um, that went into country style music and then, and then moved through the uh, sort of sociocultural ages into the, into the sixties, seventies, eighties, where it became like punk metal. Mm -hmm. And then it's sort of, you know, as, as society changed its interest in music, it's, it's sort of gone along with it. Um, the, the strangest, Stuff I I hear is like the the white white supremacist like hip hop music, which is like just doesn't. Yeah, that's a contradiction
0: me, in terms. That it's just, it's just <laughs> doesn't really.
1: That, but then again, neither does rock and roll because it, th- that's very grounded and, and and it. You know, when you think about it, it that does not come from white so people. If you so,
0: if you really again, if you really examine this whole thing, and if someone were to come along and say, "Okay, actually look at this," really examine this, the whole thing would just completely yeah. fall apart. Yeah.
1: Um, because it's none of it is like based in actual fact in reality, reality at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um let's see what else we have. Um <laughs> would punching you have caused you to change your mind? Um <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, How would you answer no, that? <laughs> no, probably not. Um I mean, let's let's really think about this for a minute. What does vo- violence solve? I don't know. Right. So yeah, yeah. At, at the end of the day, it's really just a societal thing. It's not even a hate movement versus not whatever. Um, it's like what historically what has violence done caused more violence, basically. That's mm-hmm. what it kind of does. Um, but I think I think something else to note about that one is that I get it, though. I get it. I Absolutely. get the Nazi thing. I understand people are mad at Nazis and we should be.
0: There's nothing more human than wanting to punch a nazi. Like oh my god, there's there's nothing. Cool. I can't I can't empathize with anything more than wanting to punch a nazi. But then there's also the question of of well, if we want to win, if we want to win people to our side and if we want to reduce harm, then with mm-hmm. that in mind, what is the correct response?
1: Yeah, and, and I don't think it's violence. I think it's something else. It's yeah. it's compassion it's humanity it's all that stuff right um yeah
0: absolutely let's see let's see what else he he's we've got here um are you sometimes scared of relapsing back into your old ways
1: not anymore no but okay. there was times for sure there was times because it was easier like i said about the whole like it, in those movements they just have black and white answers for everything so it's easy oh we lost our jobs because of the jews we lost it because of the Jews. Everything's just you could blame it, right? And that's yeah. instead of thinking about it, you just blame it on someone else. It's never your fault, right? Right. So um, <laughs> it's it's
0: right? yeah, it's it's never your fault. It is always uh you know piling on resentment onto anyone but you. Yeah. Um so a member of my discord also asks this. If we have loved ones heading in the direction of white supremacy or are already in that camp, is there anything we can do or say to steer them away or guide them out?
1: Sure. The first thing I would say is I would uh, look up Life After Hate. I know I'm a a shameless plug, um, but look up Life After Hate. Uh, There are family services there that they have available for people who have loved ones who are involved. So there's like like family groups. There's, um, you know, things like that. Uh, they can talk to former uh, extremists. That's another thing I would do. Like they could look that up on, on Google. They could say like stories of formers, like they talk about often these formers will talk about intervention points with family members, like ways to talk to them. Um, again, using that compassion piece rather than, you know, you don't walk in a room and go, Hey, stop doing that. Like the, the whole, like, uh, what's that, what's that old thing? Uh, they, they, Throw people in prison to like, you know, shame them out of doing crime again or whatever it is, right? Like yeah, that whole work. that'll that's not going to work out. So it's more like sit down and and actually empathize with them. Try to like figure out why it is they're interested in this. Wow, right? so
0: so so we're using the word compassion a lot what does Mm -hmm. compassion mean in this context so so we use the word compassion a lot Mm -hmm. but people probably have a lot of different ideas of what compassion looks like right so in this context what what do you mean when you say compassion
1: well i said i said this a bit earlier too about how like Hate is exhausting. These movements are exhausting. They take it out of the individual as much as they take it, it takes stuff away from communities and mm-hmm. society and, and all of that kind of thing. So it's like those are some of the valuable questions I ask. It's like, what does what is this doing for you? What is this? What is this hatred and violence and fear and ideology? What are those things doing for you? Do you feel better now that you have all this hate mm-hmm. <laughs> with you? Mm-hmm. Um, and most people would be like, Oh, fuck. No. Right. Like, because <laughs> right. when you think about it like that, you're going, Oh, why is it that I hate billions of people? Mm-hmm. What, why do you hate all non white people? Like, how do you do that? Right. So, asking those questions of compassion or like saying, So, when you went to uh, the coffee shop the other day and you were served by a not white person, how did you feel? Or did you even know? You probably didn't even know. You probably didn't care. Right. Right. And that's the thing is that. So you're not seeing all these things out in the world that you think you're seeing in your mind. You're thinking, mm-hmm. Oh, well, uh, they took my job to do this. They did it. No, no, no. But that's not really happening. So bringing up those things and trying to find out where this, you know, all of this stuff, uh, has brought them as a person. Why are you, why, do you, why are you here? Why does this making you feel like you need to, um, you know, have these black and white answers for everything. And it's, I think that's rooted in compassion in the sense of, you know, will have, has a person of another community, like, what have they done to you? Like, what is, you know, what have gay people done to you? Like, maybe, maybe something did happen. So maybe that's something that they need to talk about the trauma, right? right? Rather than blaming the whole wider gay community. Let's talk about, was it the the person or their identity that did it? Or was it them just as a human being that did something to you? Mm. Not, not, not their whole, like, social community that's behind like often that happens too they're like oh guys like oh i got i got robbed by a black guy in the street i'm like yeah but he wasn't doing it as a racial crime he was just trying to take your money right like that's bad in a sense but it wasn't the black race totally that did that to you this was a criminal a person who did that yeah so we need to get past the point of of racializing everything you know Mm. and that's in the in these movements they particularly do that they'll say well no, it must have been because they were black and violent and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they, and, and that's how they'll point it out to you. And that's like the point of radicalization. When I talk to a lot of these guys, they're like, yeah, I got bullied in school by, by an Indian guy. And I'm like, what's the Indian guy part have to do with it? He was just a bully. <laughs> he
0: was just, yeah, he was just a guy. He was just a bully. He was, just a,
1: he was a crappy person, generally yes. speaking. He was bullying a magnitude of people across the board he didn't care so let's say
0: so so what do you personally do when you are maybe in conversation with someone and someone just says something really fucking racist like what do you do how do you react in that in the moment in that situation because so many of us you know (laughs) like someone will be at work and a colleague of theirs will just say something so racist and very often you just don't know what to do you have no reaction because it comes out of the blue maybe you know you're in customer service and someone says something really awful and racist what do you do in that situation where maybe i'm granted in your position is probably more deliberate you're actually you know deliberately having (laughs) conversation with conversations with racists but what do you do when you find yourself in that situation and someone just says something super gross
1: Oh often I'll ask them are, are you trying to like are you trying to like at me along here to see if I'm still racist or if I'm still in the movement so that's the first question I'll okay, ask yeah because, yeah you know if it's somebody I'm dealing with uh and second I'd be like is that really like, are you okay like I'll ask them that like like what do you you got to drop the end bomb like some guys do that they'll like drop it you know to to like try to like get under my skin or whatever it is right mm-hmm. and I'm like you, you really feel that boldly about your hatred for black people? Like, and, and usually it goes silent because they're mm-hmm. thinking about it. They're like, well, maybe I, yeah. They, so, thinking, so you, maybe ask, I don't.
0: So you answer it with a question. You, you are always like, because, you know, maybe someone's first response would be, whoa, that's not okay. What the fuck? Um, which yeah, is the uh, which is an appropriate response that is a that is a 100%, is a 100% appropriate I do, I response but you but, that bit. but you go around that bit and you're like mm. wow okay what what's going on are you okay do you really yeah. believe that or do you, that's it, like
1: vile like racism like that it's, is it's, that is vile
0: racism know. why do you believe that or yeah, or do you really I, feel that way do you really and get and so you ask a question that gets them thinking yeah
1: it's it accessibility also, and accountability. I'm trying to get hmm. them to be accountable. Are you really that person, that racist person? Are you really that?
0: Yeah. Like,
1: because you probably aren't. is, And that's what I'll get to later with them. But I want to bring up the, these things first. And I hmm. want to sort of suss it's, those things out.
0: It's fascinating. But I can also kind of sense that the other thing that that question does is it demonstrates to them Oh you can't be frightened away by yeah. this like you you aren't going to be pushed away by this you you are not phased you're you mm-hmm. are you call it out you think it's disgusting you it is mm-hmm. morally and ethically wrong in every way and you're not going to be pushed away by it i that's i right. think that that's really powerful
1: yeah and that's to have the conversation to have the dialogue like i mean there's fantastic activists out there um and one of them uh he he was going around and and, uh, intervening with clan members he's a black guy
0: oh uh remind me daryl davis daryl davis yeah Yeah, the he's a jazz musician right he right yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. he's incredible it's
1: amazing work it's amazing work but it's those questions though really like you this is you you hate all these people for real like how let's hear talk about it It's very hard for people to talk about that. Like, why do you hate all these people? It's almost like the whole
0: thing is set up or or it's almost like extreme hate beliefs are set up to not ever have to self-reflect. It's almost like they are are deliberately designed to not ever have to actually mm self-reflect and examine the belief itself. And so just asking the simple question can just totally bypass that.
1: Well, it's, it's kind of like I had, I had one person say, well, you know, uh, COVID-19 is a Chinese thing. And I'm like, okay. Why? It's, it's not, it has nothing to do with any race. It's yeah. a virus. Like yes, it's a, it doesn't, it doesn't it, care. <laughs> it's not a thing about any kind of races. But, yes. But racializing it and making it about race. Is, is an ideology. That's a political standpoint. Right? It's a political statement. And that's what they're trying to do. And I, I'm like, I'm not buying it. Like, yeah. I'm not buying the deal. Like, I don't care. I know what it is. It's, a sci- it's, a, it's science will tell us what it is. They put it under a microscope and they look at it and they'll say, oh, it's this. This is the disease that it is. Okay, cool. But that's not a race of people. Hmm. Like, when they, and that's equating something like that is just a sim- simplified version of black and white thought again and again, they do it with everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, and, and often I'll you know, with that person, I said, so let me guess, Jews run the international banks, blah, 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 I go down the list of the other conspiracies that are <laughs> happening. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, though, none uh-huh. of that. Uh-huh. Right? So let's now talk about it. And let's unpack all of those things. And those are really sucky conversations for people who are get awkward around like, you know, these types of things. But like these conversations need to be had because I found they really help me. You know, I say one of the, go read the thousand and one questions about Judaism, you know, because a lot of these guys know zero things about Jews, none, <laughs> not one thing. But right. then when they go read it, they're like, oh, that it isn't that, you know, that, you know, no matter what your thoughts on religion are, but like, go read about it. Mm-hmm. You can't just decide you don't like Muslim people. How? <laughs> Based on what? Mm-hmm. So those mm-hmm. are the, those are the questions. And yeah, those those people who are willing to engage in those conversations we're closer to helping them heal away from hate right mm. because they're there they're we're in the conversation now we're having a dialogue we're having this conversation which is way better than them out there going and doing all these horrible things that are professed by these movements right
0: one last question uh just curious on how he handles the pushback if he's public about being a former white supremacist, do you ever yourself as a former white supremacist get the, the revulsion from, from people and the pushback is, do you ever, do you ever get treated like you have this, you know, irreparable stain on you or, and how, how do you deal with that or how do you respond when you're in that situation?
1: Yeah, it, it, it happens hundred percent and I get it.
0: It's the most understandable and human thing in the world.
1: I like, I I get it. Like, I, I get it. Yeah. You don't trust me. You hate me. Cool. But can we talk about like what, what, what things that's, that's what I would say. I would say, look, I totally get it. Like I, you know, I was, these groups are not good. And I agree with you now, whether, and that's, that's okay. We can, we can also not, you know, it doesn't have to be a thing you know where we um i I understand if they want to hate me and all that kind of thing that's fine um because uh these groups are abhorrent the the uh the ideologies are equally as abhorrent um there's violence they're they're killing people i i get it but i'm here to educate about what those groups are about and i'm going to continue my work but i understand that people hate it as well Mm -hmm. that formers are involved
0: so yeah I think that's a I, I think that's a really thoughtful and mature way of going about it. You know, you you don't demonize anyone for having for for just being like, I just can't go there. I just can't think about that because, you know, maybe yeah. maybe it's too hurtful or maybe it's it, it hurts too much. So I just can't think about that. And that that seems really thoughtful and mature. Um well that That's all the questions that I that I have from discord right now. Um, But this has been a really, I think, productive and helpful conversation. I hope my listeners uh, have enjoyed this conversation for those in my audience who might to find out more about your work. Where can they go online to find that?
1: Yeah, so the um, Life After Hate has a website, lifeafterhate.org. You can go check it out over there. Um, the Exit USA program is specifically the program I work with there. Um, you can also look up the Center on Hate, Bias, and Extremism, which is um, uh, located in the Ontario Tech University. Um, so you can check out the research. You can also check out our work there on our on our website. Um, and also the Organization for Prevention of Violence uh, Evolve program, which is uh, preventviolence.ca.
0: Amazing. I will put all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been fabulous. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks again for having me and good, good discussion.
0: Well, that is it for this show. The music is by D 7 The theme song is called Wild. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. The show is written, produced, and edited by me, Stephen Bradford Long. It is a production of Rock Candy Recordings, and it is supported by my patrons at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. As always, hail Satan, and thanks for listening.